Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. much outreach happening and it takes a lot of hands uh, to make that happen and so we're so grateful and I know many of you just recently have signed up to try and find your place as far as outreach goes and we are so grateful for that as well Uh, and just you know try different things if you're like well I'm not sure what I'd be good at try whatever you want to try and and then allow God to speak to you and let's let's do this thing together Amen? amen amen Well, if you were this last week, we were talking about the fact that we are family, and I began to share with you a little bit about what the church is supposed to look like. And uh, if you weren't here, I'm going to just give you a real quick rundown. First of all, the church was never meant to be a building. That's not what we are. Uh, I shared with you last week that you are the church, that... uh, uh, and, and for some of you, uh, on Sunday I got into it a little bit more, but, but just that idea of maybe we should even put a post-it note saying, I am the church, right? Yeah. Um, some of you, like me, might need it on your steering wheel just to remind yourself while you're driving on Reserve Street and traffic and Subarus and all the things, uh, I am the church. Like, remind yourself, I am the church, Right. And uh, it was funny because today we, uh, Shannon and I were doing some premarital counseling with this couple and, and she's actually a third grade teacher and she said it was Valentine's Day this week and she said, she said, I probably a hundred times in my head said, I am the church, I am the church, I am the church. And I thought, yeah, I bet that that's, I bet that's true. Did we not dismiss break line? I'm sorry. I just saw all these people leaving. I'm like, dude, I haven't even said nothing offensive yet. Give me a minute. Breakline, you are dismissed. If you're grades four, five, and six, you can make your way to the back. Uh, anyhow, so uh, last week we just talked a little bit about what we are, what we're called to do as the church. And the first one is that we're to minister to God. That's why we gather together is to minister to our Lord. Uh, and and this is pivotal for us to understand that because what's happened is church has become a place where we consume things. Like, this is my consumption. So I like it. I don't like it. I like this about church. I don't like that about church. And what we need to realize is it's actually not about you. Some of you need to hear that, okay? Let me say it again. It's not actually about you. And I told you last weekend, I said, hey, listen, you're actually not here to, to watch a concert. You're here to participate in the choir, right? So you're in the choir. I had somebody come up to me afterwards last weekend and said, you are literally preaching to the choir. And I said, that is absolutely true. I am preaching to the choir. Um, So we need to understand that we're here to minister to God. We're here to minister to one another. We're here to, we're here to build relationships with each other. We're here to have that and, and be able to dive into God's word together. There's nothing more powerful than being able to dive into God's word. And then, and then we're also called to minister to this world, that we are to go from this place. So we gather on the weekends, but we are the church throughout the week. So we gather and then we spread and, we, and the church goes with us, right? The church is wherever we are. And some of you need to hear that. You need to be reminded of that today. Because you are the church. And so, so that was the, the synopsis of what we talked about last weekend. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says this. I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation 
of the truth. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for all that you do. We thank you, Lord, for just an amazing week where we have seen you begin to move in new areas. We're watching as you continue to show yourself to be faithful. Lord God, I just, I thank you, God, for what you're doing in Star Valley and for what's happening in Malawi. And Lord God, what's happening even in the prison system right now, Lord, as we're getting testimonies from men and women who are watching and, and hearing your word. And God, I just pray that in these next few moments, wherever we find ourselves in our faith journey, that we would lean in, that we would hear what you have for us, and that God will leave this place changed. We give you all the praise, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so I want to take a few moments tonight, and I want to look at this. Uh, throughout Scripture, church is described in many ways. In this opening verse that I just read to you just a moment ago, it is the pillar and the foundation of truth. Uh, we, Paul will describe it as the body of Christ. But there's one in particular that I want to spend a little bit of time on this weekend, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. It says this, I hope you will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me, for I am jealous... Uh, for you with the jealousy of God himself, I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. So in this verse, Paul is saying that we are the bride of Christ. Now that's an interesting analogy. It's an interesting way for us to look at who we are to God and, and what the importance is of the church to God. My wife is my partner. She's been with me. We've done life together for 27 years. Um, yeah, give her a round of applause. She needs it. Uh, but I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be a little crazy if you came up to me after church and you were like, you're like, you know, Jason, I, man, I, I love you. I love this church. I, I just, I want to get to know you more. I want to hang out with you. I think you're so great. Uh, but man, I really struggle with Shannon. <laughs> now you're all laughing because you know that it would be the opposite probably, right? <laughs> But bear with me for just a moment. If you were to come up to me and you were like, hey, man, I think you're the greatest. I want to I wanna go like hang out with you. I want to go spend time. I want to do all these things. But I just, I just really am not a big fan of your wife. That's a problem, right? That's a big problem. That's going to like make me feel like, well, I don't know how much I want to interact with you because that's not cool, right? Uh, here's why I say that. I think that if we were to take a moment today, I hear Christians all the time say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. That's the bride of Christ that you're talking about. You may say, well, you know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I've heard that all the time. Or, hey, church is a little bit boring or church is full of hypocrites. And I think that if we took a moment and we stopped to reflect a bit more on what we're actually saying when we say things like that, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. Because if we're the bride of Christ, then there's no way that you can say that I love Jesus, but I, I don't like the church. Amen. It just wouldn't happen. And the honest truth is, last week when we talked about you are the church, can I tell you, if you're saying, hey, church is a little bit boring, you're a little bit boring. That's it. Right? <laughs> Be careful what you call yourself, Right? You are the bride of Christ. And so we've got to change our mentality a little bit because if we understand that this is the way that God is calling his church to look, you may say, well, church is full of hypocrites. Are you just figuring that out? Church is full of hypocrites because it's full of people and people tend to say one thing and do another. Whether they're in the church or they're not in the church. And that's why we've come to church because we need a savior. 
That's why we've come to worship together. Isn't it a good thing that God accepts hypocrites? Man, you all need to be saying amen to that one. Because in one way or another, we're all hypocrites at some point in time in our life, and probably even today we're a hypocrite. But God accepts them. Listen to the way Paul says it in Romans chapter 7. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what, what I don't want to do, I am really the one doing, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. So he's saying, basically in this verse, I am a hypocrite and I need a savior. Now, I don't come to church to be reminded of my weakness. I come to church to be reminded of his strength. I don't step into this building to be reminded of how bad I am and how much I'm struggling. I come into this place, and this is part of the reason that it's so important that we do gather together. I, I talked about this last week, that when we come together, we magnify him. That's why we worship. We don't worship so because Pastor Seth needed a job and he sounds good, right? We, we worship because it's, it's part of us coming to this place when we sing those words that are talking about the greatness of our God and how strong he is and how mighty he is and how powerful he is. We're magnifying him so that we can be reminded that even in my weakness, he's strong. Even when I'm struggling, he's there for me. And so, so that's why as we look at this, we need to, we need to realize that when, when, when Paul is saying, listen, you are the bride of Christ, that you are in this place where you, can, you can't say, I'm not, I don't like the church because it's full of hypocrites. Because it is full of hypocrites. But we're a bunch of hypocrites that are all singing and worshiping and trying to get it right. And we're going to mess up a lot. And if we're not real about that, then that's where we get into real trouble. Because if we act as though we have it all together when we don't, then that's when the world is like, oh yeah, right. I see you on Monday. I know who you actually are right? We need to be real. But I want to take a few moments today, and as we look at this idea of being the bride of Christ, I want, there's three things that I think we need to understand when we talk about that. The first one is Christ wants intimacy with us. In God's design, there is no more intimate relationship than the relationship between a husband and a wife. And so God is trying to say, that's the type of relationship I want with my church. Now, some of you guys, you man's man in the room, you're getting a little uncomfortable with that analogy because that sounds a little bit weird, but it's a metaphor. And what you need to realize is that when God designed the, the marriage relationship, he, he designed it in a way that it even talks about a husband and a wife, they come together as one. So they are, they are now one. They are that close that, that if you mess with one, you're messing with both. If you, right? it's, not, it's not something where there are two that are close to each other. It's that they've become one. So when, when we read this scripture, we need to understand what God is crying for, what he's wanting from us is he's wanting intimacy with us. If you had intimacy, uh, if you have intimacy with your spouse, then you know that it's more than a physical connection. It's, it's a spiritual, it's a mental connection. It's, it's, it's more than, than just uh, what we would call physical. It's, it's, got, it's true intimacy is all about coming to a place of trust. When you're married to somebody and you're intimate with them, then there is a trust that's there that is like no other relationship that you will have on earth. 
And so God is saying, I want you to come to a place where you trust me that way. I want you to come to a place where you know that even when it looks hard, even when life is a struggle for you, that you know that I am in control, that I'm with you, that I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, that I've got you. I know my wife and my wife knows me differently than we know anybody else in the world. It's interesting because when you start to date someone, you put on the best you. Right? You all know what I'm talking about. If you're going to go out on a first date and you go out, you don't, you don't go and just like act like, you, I mean, guys, you probably put on your best. You showered, you look good, you combed your hair or whatever, whatever. Um, and you put on some cologne and you go to, their, go to her house and you, and I know this is so old fashioned. I know maybe this isn't the way it happens anymore. It's been a long time since I've, since I've dated someone new, right? So, uh, so you pull up and you get out of your vehicle. This is crazy. This is crazy. You get out, you go to the door, right? You ring the doorbell, you invite her to come to, and then you open the car door, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? And then she gets in the car and you're super like engrossed in all that she's saying. You're paying attention. You're, you're, you know, and, and you're the best you, the best you. And then you get married, right? Now, don't get me wrong. We should still be giving our, but, but it changes. Why? Because all of a sudden we know each other, right? We should still date each other. We should still go out. We should still do those things. But inside of that, there's also those moments that aren't like that. There are those moments where we're, we're our real self. And can I just tell you, as I look at this scripture, what I think God is saying is he's saying, I actually don't want your projected self. I don't want your pretend self. I actually want intimacy with you, which means you're real with me. I want the real you. I, I don't want that fake Sunday morning, Saturday night, Christianity. I don't want that thing where you put on the mask and pretend that you care about me. I want the real you. I want you to be real. When you're hurting, I want you to be real. When you're struggling, I want you to say it. When you're, when you're whatever's going on inside of you, I want, I want the real you. See, that's what, that's what marriage is, right? When I, my wife can come in from work, walk in the door, and I can almost tell immediately whether or not she's had a good or a bad day. And if she's had a bad day, then I'll begin to ask, are you okay? What's going on? She'll begin to share with me what's happened in her day. And that's part of being a partner, right? That we, we do that for each other. And it's important. And that's what God wants. He doesn't want you to come in and, and your, your head is somewhere else and you're just putting your hands in the air because that's what your neighbor is doing. He wants the real you. Here's the other thing. It doesn't say that the church is Christ's girlfriend. Why? Because intimacy shouldn't be happening with a girlfriend. Some of you just need to hear that. Okay? That's, I mean, if we're, we talk about this all the time. We talk about this book from beginning to end, right? So, so some of you are like, well, that part, I don't know, that's old-fashioned. No, it's the maker. You're the one who made you. The one who created you is the one that's saying, like, intimacy Physical intimacy, that is for marriage, not for dating. God has not called, he's not called the church his girlfriend. You know why else? Because a girlfriend you date maybe once a week, twice a week. Some of you, you are Jesus's girlfriend. 
This is the only time you spend time with him. And then you come in and you want intimacy with him. Come on, speak it. Mm, man, I thought that was better than that. <laughs> Some of you come in on the weekend and you, that's the only time you've spent with God the whole week is, is here. And you want, oh, oh man, oh, Holy Spirit, come. We need more of you. We want blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to talk to you the rest of the week. Can I tell you, if it was a dating relationship, you had a girlfriend, and the only time you talked to him was on the weekend when you, when you were dating and you wanted intimacy, it's called a user is what that's called. Okay, I'm moving on. That wasn't actually in my notes. He didn't call you to date him once a week. He wants intimacy with you. That's the bride of Christ. The bride means you are, you are with me. We are together. We are doing life together. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, because I, I want us to understand a little bit more about biblical marriage, because it, it, Paul is the one that wrote this as well. And so for us to understand what Paul thinks of when he thinks of marriage, and then he, and then he compares us to the bride of Christ. Listen to this. It says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so should you wives submit to your husbands in everything. And the men would like me to stop reading right there. Verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself." So the first reason why we're called the bride of Christ is because God wants intimacy with us. Reason number two is for protection. I believe that God is saying to his church that you are protected by the Father. This verse says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now that's a lot of times women, when you read that verse, will struggle with that. But if you listen to the whole thing, it's actually... Uh, quite an interesting thing because we can get, you can get upset by that or you can understand that uh, it may even be that men get the shorter end of that stick because women, you have to submit, but men, you have to die. You have to be willing to lay down your life for her. So girls submit, guys die, and we both have a responsibility here. And the question is, ladies, can you be girls who are worth dying for and men, can you be men who are worth submitting to? Now that's a whole nother topic and we'll cover that after Easter when we jump into a new series on marriage that we're calling Back to Life because I'm believing with all my heart that there are some marriages that are so far on the brink that it feels like there's no recovery and we're gonna walk into a season where we're gonna just really believe that God's gonna breathe life back into marriages again. That was a shameless promo right there. But Paul is writing and he's saying, Christ loved the church so much that he died for the church. Now, I gotta be real with you. I am not a fighter. I'm not, I'm not a guy that when I was even a kid in high school, I wasn't the guy that was like 
getting in fights out on the playground. I've never actually punched someone except for just like in fun wrestling kind of punching, but I've never been in a fight where I've punched somebody in the face or anything like that. That's not me. I'm more the negotiator, right? I'm the guy that can usually bring things down a notch or down a level. And, and that's kind of my personality. I'm not the guy that's looking for a fight. I'm not the guy that's doing any of that. But I will say this, if you come at my wife, we're going to have a problem. I may not be a good fighter, but I'll get in there and do what I need to do, right? It may not be fighting by the rules, but we'll see, um, right? Why? Because I'm called to be her protector. That's my job. I, I am to, if there's danger, I'm to stand in front of that danger in front of her so it doesn't, it doesn't affect her. So as we think about this verse that Paul is saying, listen, you are, you, are, uh, you are the bride of Christ, then we need to understand that Christ so loved us that he is our protector. This is how God loves you. God has so many different times stepped into the gap for you. Many times you don't even know about it. And we won't know about it until that day when we stand before him in eternity. But God has stepped in to protect you. And can I tell you, that's why when you come to church, when you come into this building, you, you shouldn't need to wait for somebody to pump you up to praise. That's it. That's it. You shouldn't need for the worship team to sing the right song for you to worship. Because if we're honest and we're real, we would know that the God of the universe loves you, he saved you, he cares for you, he's protecting you throughout the week. And you may be going, man, Jason, you should have seen my week. I had a hard week. Can I tell you, your week could always have been harder. And you have no idea the times that God has stepped into your story and he's protected you from way worse than you even know. And so we shouldn't have to come into this place and go, well, I'll worship if, or I'll praise when. No, we should come into this place going, man, God, you are so worthy of my praise. You're so worthy of me being able to come to a place. And how do we know that God will protect you? Because he already did 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. He came and he walked to this earth and he died a sinner's death. In fact, he died your death and he died my death in a cruel death on the cross. He died the death that would take our punish, the punishment for our sin. So now today we can be called spotless. We can be called blameless. You're called righteous. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. You're a spotless, blemish-free blemish -free bride. It's called grace. He protected you. You know, he loves his bride. So when we talk trash about the church, we're talking trash about something that he paid a high price for. When, I, when Shannon and I just had moved to Missoula, we had been in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We moved to Missoula. We bought our first home in Missoula and and it was, it was a night for us. It was a great home. We loved it. We were so excited about it. And, and my mother-in-law, who I love, I loved my mother-in-law. She was, her and I got along really well, actually. But the first time she came to visit, she, her husband, or, or my, Shannon's dad was a builder, and she came through our house and she began to point out things that were not very good. And she began to walk through and go, oh, these cupboards, you know, these aren't very good and, and uh, this, whatever. And, and I remember just like my heart sinking a little bit because I was still paying on that house and it was a high price for me. It was expensive. And, 
And out of that, I, I was thinking this week, as I was thinking about this, Jesus paid such a high price for his church. And so when you trash talk the church, you're saying, hey, you know what? It's not as valuable as you think. Yeah. Maybe, you know, we, I don't want to be ever caught in that. Yeah. I don't ever want to get sucked into that. Why would God, who's perfect, protect me? Well, this is the scandal of the gospel. The God who stepped into humanity and he died for us. Have you ever been around and you see a guy who walks into a room and the guy walks in and then his wife walks in and you're like, how in the world did that guy get that girl? <laughs> Some of us guys in the room, we know it, right? We understand what we're talking about right? Like he married out of his league. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, oh, that dude's got money. That guy's got some money or something. <laughs> he's really funny or he's got a really amazing personality or maybe she can't see. Maybe that's it. Maybe she's blind and we don't know. I was thinking about that and I was thinking when the world looks upon the church, they see us with all of our problems, with all of our issues, with all of our weaknesses. But as they look upon us, then they see a savior and they say, how on earth did that guy pick them? What you ought to do is you ought to say, that's called grace. That's called the scandal of the gospel. He chose me. He's way out of our league. He's completely out of our league. But how many of you know that's what a great place to be? That the God of the universe, that Jesus Christ loves you so much that he chose us. And because he chose us, because he died on the cross, because he's done all the things that he's done for us, now we are a spotless bride. Not because of what, what I've done, because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. He chose me. He's out of my league, but he chose me. So the first reason that we are the bride of Christ is intimacy. The second reason is protection. And the third reason is that we're called the bride of Christ uh, is the reason that we now have rights because of Jesus. We have rights. We are one with him. When Shannon and I got married, we signed a legal document. That legal document made it so that she began to have rights. She changed her name. She moved from Shannon Kelly to Shannon Ton. And out of that, then all these other things became available to her and to me. When we got married, she changed her name. We signed the document. And now what's mine is hers and what's hers is hers. Let's just be real. Just keeping it real with you. It is funny to me because you get married and, and my wife will do this all the time. We'll have, we'll have people at our house, we're having dinner, whatever, and they'll be asking about the house and she'll go, yeah, in my bedroom, I did this, this, and this. <laughs> or we'll be out to dinner with somebody, yeah, at my house. I'm like, well, I, I live there. I don't know. I, don't, I guess it's not our house. It's her house. But it gave her the right to speak for me and she does. I gotta stop now, I'm gonna get in trouble. <laughs> I gotta figure out the analogy of B 
being the bride of Christ and Jesus sleeping on the couch. You know, I don't know how to. <laughs> Hebrews chapter two, verse 10. Everything belongs to God and all things were created by his power. So God did the right thing when he made Jesus perfect by suffering as Jesus led many of God's children to be saved and to share in his glory. I, I want you to hear that because what we need to understand is that verse doesn't just say led, led people to be saved. It says to share in his glory. We talked a little bit about this last week, but if we're the church and, and, and we're the bride of Christ, there are rights that come with being the bride of Christ. If we are, if we are one with Jesus, then all of a sudden now, when, when not only will he protect us, but it gives us the ability to speak for him. Can I tell you, my wife can speak for me. My wife signs my signature a lot of times. I don't know if she's supposed to do that or not, but she does it actually better than me. Makes me look like I have better handwriting than I actually do. But there's rights that come inside of a marriage. And so for us, we need to realize that we're not dating Jesus. We're the bride of Christ. When you're dating, you don't get all those rights. You don't get to have all of the things. But when you're married, when you are one with Christ, then all of a sudden these things become real and available to you. Amen. When you pray, God hears the prayers of Jesus. You have rights today. Let's not get lost in doing church. Let's declare and decide in our spirit that we're going to be the church that we know who we are, that we understand what that means inside of our lives. Because of Jesus, when we put our trust and our faith in him, all of a sudden you obtain the exact same rights. Today you are righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And when you pray prayers according to the book of James, the Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man, they availeth much. Another translation says there's great power and produces wonderful results. What makes us righteous? Is it because you're so good? No, it's because you're one with Christ. It's his sacrifice that makes you righteous. It's him that made the bride spotless. It's him that gives you the authority to pray and to believe and to expect that he's gonna move on your behalf. We are the church, we are his bride. He protects us, he gives us rights that only the bride has, and he longs for intimacy with his, with his bride. For some of you, I really believe that as we've looked at God's word today, that for many of you where you're at is, the intimacy thing is, is maybe far off for you. Maybe you understand what it is to, to feel like, ooh, that was good, that felt good when I sang that song. Or to maybe even have a little bit of time at the altar where you come and you spend some time and maybe you've had those moments where you've experienced feeling God in your life. But can I tell you, God isn't satisfied with dating you on the weekend. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to have those moments in your own life where you're spending time turning off your radio as you're driving and you're praying and crying out and thanking him, worshiping him for how good he is to you. He wants those, those prayer closet moments as well, where we get to go and spend some time or, or time in his word where we're, where we're not just reading whatever Jason decided to put on the screen this week, but we actually open the book and we allow God to speak to us that way. 
I've said this to you before, when you're, when you're in a relationship with somebody, you, you talk to each other, you spend time with each other. Now my wife and I will go out on dates. Last night we went, we went and saw a movie together. But most of our time together is, is just being together. We're just around each other. We, we talk, we listen, we spend time getting to know more and more about each other. That's what marriage looks like. For some of you, you need to understand that if you're just coming in and doing this on the weekend, you're never gonna fully understand what it is to have intimacy with God. So today, as we close this time out together, I just wanna, I wanna take a few moments. The worship team is gonna come in just a moment. They're gonna lead us in a little bit more worship. But the prayer teams will be down here. At any point, if you need prayer for anything, they would love to pray with you. But for some of you, I just wanna challenge you. Again, this isn't, this isn't do this for 10 minutes and then go home and now you check the box, intimacy with God. But maybe it's this moment where you go, God, will you help me to long for more intimacy with you? Will you help me to pay attention to my schedule, to give you time, to turn off things that I need to turn off, to wake up earlier than maybe I normally would wake up? For Shannon and I, that's what we typically will do. She'll, she gets up even earlier than I do and she'll go and she'll just spend some time alone with God. And then when I get up, I'll go get my coffee and go down to my office and just spend some time reading and praying and focusing. Can I tell you, there's nothing better than starting your day that way. It's so good. But it's also something that you gotta make a habit of doing. So I just wanna pray over you. And I, 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 my prayer is that whatever part of this that you needed to hear, if it was all of it, that's great too. But that you'll just understand that God wants so much more with you. It's not because he wants to make life hard on you. He actually wants to make life easier for you. He wants things to be good. So I'm gonna pray over you. We're gonna worship a little bit together. God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you have plans and dreams, desires for us. God, I thank you so much that you call us your bride because we're not your buddy, we're not your friend, we're not even your girlfriend, we're your bride. You want us. And Lord, inside of that, when we accept that, it's, it's scandalous because you take something that was broken and something that was a mess and you make it clean. You make us spotless. Lord, I just thank you that you love us as much as you do. And I just pray God for your church that we would lean in to this understanding that God, you have so much for us. Lord, I, I just pray against us settling for less. Lord, I pray against the lies that the enemy would tell, that we have enough, because God will never have enough until that day. So Lord, I pray that we'll keep seeking you, keep diving in, keep wanting and expecting even more. So God, we do give you all the praise today. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.